lunch plus time. Welcome to the What's Right Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitch account, Periscope channel. <laughs> We're super excited to have you with us and we have an awesome episode in store for you. Here's what's coming up. Right now it is family chat, which you know you love. It's why you're on right now. After that at noon, we have the ultimate Mentos challenge. Myself versus Buddy versus Pastor versus Marky. Who's going to survive it the longest? You're going to have to tune in and find out. And then after that, we are going to hop into a Q&A session with Pastor Brian and Buddy. And we have an awesome question that was submitted by one of our viewers today. We're excited to share that with you. And then what's unfortunate? You know what that means. It's, it's Thursday. What's unfortunate day? What are we going to have to do? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> it's going to be such a good one. And then we're going to have a quick time of confessions and hopping into the man who would be king. And that's what we have on deck for you. But we also have a special, special surprise in just a second. We do? Yeah. Pastor is here. I don't think he's on, but he was, I said that because he was popped behind us. I didn't he's, know if he was about to pop up or right not. standing right there and it's making me nervous. Because <laughs> you never know what to expect when he just like jumps in like, unexpectedly. I really didn't know if it was going to be like Tigger, like, oh, hello. That's what I thought may happen. So <laughs> it's family time, everyone. Family time. Uh, as you're hopping on right now, make sure that you go ahead and share the broadcast, comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from. I see my wonderful husband, George W. Nower is on. Hannah, we miss you too. Hello. Natalie says, good morning. Priscilla says, what's up? Johnny and Holly both say hi. And I need to shout out my husband who got me a Space Force t-shirt yesterday. I'm so excited. Space Force! Space Force! <laughs> I, anytime I say it, I think of the Lego movie. Spaceship! Do you remember? Have yeah. you seen? Okay. Yes. I need to make sure. I didn't know. I'm glad your chair is lower. I lowered it. Good. Thank so you. So I can fit in the frame. <laughs> it makes me feel better about I myself. I feel like I need to come up here. I'm, you are blocking my light. I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. No, no. Don't. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> You're blocking my light. Pastor's here. Hello. Kevin. Hey, Kevin. What's up? Good morning. Good morning. What's right family, he says. Good morning. <laughs> you are our family. We love you. It is your birthday. You know, he used to say that before he was here, and now he's here, and he's like legit family Truth. at Boomerang. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Octothorpe family. And speaking of family, it is time for our family chat where we ask you questions. We get to know you better. Question number one of the day. Question number one. Skydiving or bungee jumping? Ooh, well. I don't really want to do that, either of these things, but. <laughs> I feel like that would be an easier one for me. I would rather do skydiving than bungee jumping just because bungee jumping just sounds so much more terrifying. <laughs> I mean, like, you got the cord. You want to make sure the cord doesn't break, but at the same time, it's just like free falling. Whee! And then, <laughs> I don't know. I, do you understand the sound effects with that? Like, That's where it just tragic. It sounds tragic. Priscilla says skydiving. George say says skydiving. Holly says both. Debbie says bungee. bungee. That's awesome. Johnny yeah. says skydiving. EO says skydiving. I don't know why, but I trust it more. Natalie says skydiving. Which would you rather do? I think skydiving. Yeah. Not army style is what Kevin said. Skydiving, not, I believe that to be true too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
the static line army. I'm assuming he's talking about like a static line with a, mm -hmm. but anyway, I've not done either one, but I'd like, I really do want to go skydiving. I feel like if I had to choose, like at gunpoint, I would, gunpoint. I would choose skydiving, but George is packing my parachute. Like, I'm not packing it. George is packing it. Like, Joni says skydiving. Uh, Kevin says no static cords. George has done static, uh, static jumps, and he likes those. Um, but yeah, I'm a skydiver. I just said that out loud. That's recorded. That's great. Question number two. <laughs> Somewhere George is going to use that. Bowling or putt-putt? Wow. Oh, that's a difficult one. Hmm. Bowling or putt-putt? I've never played putt-putt. You've never played putt-putt? I've putt -putt? never played putt-putt. They don't have it where I lived in I Maine. I used to win putt-putt tournaments. R really? I really did, yeah. That, why does that not surprise me? <laughs> did you just suppress, like, a yell? Like, is that what that sound was? Yeah, putt-putt <laughs> was very important to me as a child. Was it? Every vacation, we would, like, we would at least once have to go putt-putt. At least once. I love putt-putt. Yeah. I've, I've never gone. Remember putt-putt saves the zoo? Did you ever play that game? No. I don't know no. what that is. Uh, he was a little car. His name was Putt Putt. <laughs> George said, I heard that, Barrett. And yes. then Kevin said, Mini golf, please. That's the proper term. <laughs> I really like bowling, though, as well. And I like Putt Putt, but I don't like it. I would play, I would probably choose bowling because I would go bowling probably 10 times more than I would want to go play Putt Putt, although I enjoy Putt Putt as well. Kevin says, Mini golf. George says, Putt Putt all day long. Putt Putt was invented in Fayetteville. If but, I'm not mistaken, really? I think George has told me this factoid. If I'm wrong, George, oh. please correct me. Um, Debbie says bowling. I throw it behind myself and it makes my husband laugh. <laughs> Natalie says that she likes both, but bowling. Uh, George says mini golf is a lot of fun. Pastor Nicole says she's not good at either, but putt-putt. Putt-putt. Yeah, I'd go play putt-putt, but... Is there one around here? There is. There's a mini golf over on Main Street. It's behind yeah. the it's been, It was closed for several years, but they just reopened it is what I hear. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you've been here for seven years and you never, you never nope. you've never done it. Wow. Nope, I've not. I have well, not. George wow. says I'm right. It was invented in Fayetteville. That's awesome. Lisa says, good afternoon. We love you too, Lisa. Kevin says in Chattanooga, they had Goonie golf. Like Goonie. <laughs> <laughs> the Goonies. <laughs> well, Serena and I, we went soccer golfing once. That was hard. It was like a big field. Soccer golf? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not over the truffle shuffle that just happened. <laughs> I, I like... <laughs> I just saw the replay on it. That was great. <laughs> I missed it. Oh, goodness. I like going to play putt-putt like when we go to vacation. Mm -hmm. I would really like to play it at least yeah. once when we go on vacation just mm -hmm. because. But what does the temperature need to be like for you to enjoy this outside? Not summer. <laughs> <laughs> not summer. Anything else is cool. Yes. I, I would enjoy putt-putt more than golf, so yes. Okay, question number three. Cruise, or would you go on a trip and prefer to travel by plane? So would you enjoy a cruise where you're on a boat the whole time, or would you rather go on a vacation and fly to get there? So are you wow. saying that there's no excursions on the cruise? Like you can't get off the ship? I would do that all day long. <laughs> Nicole and I were like, <laughs> let us go and sit and not have to do anything. I would do it all. I would do it for months. <laughs> <laughs> Me, my wife, my family, and Jesus. 
Kevin says cruise. Johnny says plane. Uh, Priscilla says fly. Natalie says there's putt-putt at Dan Nicholas Park. George <laughs> says he'd like to fly. Holly likes the idea of a cruise. She's never been on one before. Natalie says travel by plane. Wow, we've got, these are coming in rapid fire. Debbie says cruise. So a couple Good weeks question. ago, you preached on something that, and you used cruises as an example of like for the first, you expected to just be able to walk onto the ship, but it's mm-hmm. not just walk onto the ship. You've got to go through all oh, the safety yeah. training. You've got to do all these things. Yeah. And as you talked about it, I texted George. I'm like, and right there, my desire for a cruise is gone. It only takes like, like no, 30 minutes. No, it, that's, Maybe an hour. you shouldn't let that affect. It is like you're all excited and everything, but then you've got to step through their process. Mm. But once you get through their process, which is over, by the time you check in, figure like check in is an hour, and figure like getting into your room and going through the safety stuff is an hour. So it's two hours, then you have the rest of the week. So mm. Are you sardine canned in with other people? No. Yeah, you yeah. are when you, yeah, when you have to I'm put on to the life, life jacket. But it's not, it was, it was worth it. I mean, but it was just disappointing that, like, you're all excited for the fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, you're not quite at fun yet. You still have a few steps before yeah. fun happens. So, hey, tell them, go back to this. But also, before we end the segment, tell anybody that's on now about what's happening this afternoon as yes. well. Yes. So. I have, we have a special graphic to show you because today at 5 p.m. Eastern time, Pastor Brian is going to be on Victory Update, which is a show attached to Copeland Network, part of KCM, Kenneth Copeland Ministries. If you can go ahead and put the graphic up right now so that people know what to be looking for, it's going to be awesome. It'll be on a whole bunch of different platforms. If we find it, we're going to look for it on Facebook and share it on there. You can, yeah. We also will oh, cool. uh, have... Nice graphic. I didn't make it. Amen. Go, Brother <laughs> Copeland, people. <laughs> um, but we're going to share it on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube at the Victory Channel, YouTube channel. There's a whole bunch of other places as well, but it's going to be great. 5 p.m. I don't know that I've ever been on DirecTV before, but they just started on, I think it's channel 314 on DirecTV mm-hmm. and something 65, 265, 265 on, on Dish Network. Yes. And then they have their channel on Roku, and mm-hmm. we've had a channel on Roku for a while, but yes. um, that's a new thing. So Apple Fire TV, or Apple, Apple no, Fire. Uh, Amazon Fire, <laughs> Apple TV, Apple Fire TV, it's a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Holly wants to know for the cruise, is it worse than checking in for a flight? It takes longer, most certainly. Um, it's a little bit Because you worse. have to go through customs just like on a cruise just like going into a plane right? it's a little bit worse yeah. yeah it is but i have no experience to the, draw from but so the I'm experience leaning. on the cruise picture being on yeah. a giant giant plane that has a a pool that has like five different restaurants that has um you, your own room that you can like remove yourself you can from eat 24 you can eat all you want whenever you want unlimited ice cream bar no okay you just no. called a bunch of people right there that you started off by, imagine you're on a giant plane, and I'm imagining being on a giant plane for a week. No, so. <laughs> but no it's, it's not like that. Like, not, on, a, on a plane, when you're checking in, there's, you know, you're close to everybody, but as soon as you get to your room and you've gone through the safety, you're, yeah. you're free. So I'm yeah. willing to do one. I 
I you don't, should be willing to do one. Yes. I'm so glad. For sure. I just don't want to go <laughs> to my... doing that to her that you I appreciate interesting. It. Yeah. I'm go good. ahead. I just don't <laughs> want to go to my favorite plate. Like, I would not want to do a cruise to Italy and only have a small period of time to go explore Italy oh, yeah. and then have to hop back on the boat. If I did it, I'd rather go someplace that I wasn't... I didn't super care about the destination as mm. much. That makes sense. So I'd be fine to... Well, see, on the cruise, most of the cruise lines, they want to stop at all these ports because they actually, in the ports, they kind of make some money on different things. They, that's a part of it. I'd rather just cruise, look at the ocean, and, you know, mm -hmm. not go to all the destinations. So they have a Hawaiian cruise. We found this out when we were planning our trip to Hawaii. They have a Hawaiian cruise. It's not that much either. <laughs> it really isn't. And you fly, I think, to Hawaii, mm -hmm. and then you'll go to each one of the islands for about five or six days. And then for the next five days, you travel up to Victoria, British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And so you're on the boat. So you get, you get to actual, actually experience the islands, mm -hmm. and then you get to sit and rest and relax on the boat for five days. And I'm like... Yeah, you know, I shouldn't be telling everybody this because I want it to stay private so it'll be not packed when I go. So, Serena, forget everything that just, just happened. This <laughs> Serena and I were looking at the exact same thing. Yeah, it's nice. Just get a private yacht and you and Pastor Nicole. It can just <laughs> be the two of you and you have your own little captain. That's a great idea. Amen. That's Hallelujah. A, idea. a yacht for Pastor. Priscilla was reading my mind. <laughs> Amen. I like the emoji. <laughs> Well, guys, we thank you so much for being on Family Chat today. We are going to be right back in just a couple seconds to remind you all of what the lineup looks like, and then we're going to hop into the Mentos Ultimate Showdown. Stick around. It's going to be awesome. Ultimate Showdown. Hey guys, we are back. We are hopping into our very first segment of the day. But before we do that, we want to let you guys know what is coming up. What's happening right now, sir? What is happening right now? The, the first thing that we're going to jump into is the Mentos Challenge. Who's going to win? Will it be Buddy, Barrett, myself, or Marky? Who's going to win? Put it in the comments now. And then we have Q&A with Buddy and I. Have a great question today. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. What we're asking is, how do you take your stance in God, on God? Then we're going to have what's unfortunate. Dun, dun, dun. And then we're going to have our daily confessions. And then the man who would be king is going to be awesome. Welcome to Lunch Plus. It's going to be a great day. Share the broadcast. And uh, we just welcome you. Amen. Kevin thought... Kevin thinks that I'm going to win. Kevin thinks Buddy's going to win. I like you, Kevin. I appreciate you. <laughs> He's pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Pleased with you. Well, put in the comments right now who you think is going to win, and we're excited to show you. So, here we go. Vote now. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, guys. Welcome to... 
first day challenge. Woo -woo. We got Pastor Brian, Buddy, Crabtree, myself, Barrett Nauer, and Marky Dunphy. And today we are going to be doing the Diet Coke and Mentos challenge. And if you are a long time viewer, you'll remember that Pastor and I have participated in this before. So will the fact this that we've done true. this once, will it be an advantage? You'll have to find out. Drop in the comments right now who you think is gonna win. Who's gonna win? And here's how we play. In our hands, we have a full pack of the mint Mentos and we have Diet Coke. What we have to do is fit as many Mentos as our mouth can hold. We have to fit them in our mouth and then we have to drink Diet Coke. And the challenge is who can hold the explosion in their mouth the longest? Because why does it explode, scientist Pastor Brian? Well, it has to do with Diet Coke and Mentos. <laughs> and science. Awesome. And science. Boom. Science. Science. It's got to do with the surface area of the Mentos and a chemical reaction. But here's, so I got a question. So we're going to get as many Mentos as we can in our mouth. Yes. We're going to try to get the whole pack. Yes. And then we don't have to actually drink it. We just have to fill our mouth with. Yes. Okay. And then we're going to try and hold it. Whoever holds it the yes. longest without. Yes. Okay. This, this like, sounds dangerous. Like you can't safe? You can't yeah. just do a little bit of soda, like as much soda as your mouth will hold. And Great. your mouth will hold a lot. I believe okay. in that. Thank you. So You're first welcome. step, get all the Mentos into our mouth. Yes. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. No. I'm ready. I'm not ready. Buddy says no, but we're going anyway. Whoa. He's getting get ready. ready. Get ready. Get, get ready. ready. That's my TD Jake's anointing. <laughs> <laughs> I did right. not realize One. how challenging it is to get them in our mouth. One Mentos. Two. Two. Oh, I need to not chew them. Three. Well, I chew candy. Not good. I don't like Mentos. What? Woo! I like Mentos. You lose. I don't like Mentos. Uh -uh. You lose. What's up, Baba? I don't like Mentos. Ah, I dropped my You lose twice. Get it. I'm putting them in my mouth. Get it. I am. You got them all? I got most of them. I can't find them. I can't find more in my mouth. Oh, oh, all of them. All of them. All of them. Okay. What air? Don't do that. Mm -hmm. What uh -huh. air? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got them all. I don't know what it's saying. Who knew that the biggest challenge was getting the Mentos in your mouth? I got them all in. <laughs> you are so impressive. Uh -huh. Buddy gave up early. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. He got them all. Uh -huh. yeah. I'm drooling, but I got them all. Me too. I got them all on this side. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, y'all, I got a farm out here. I got them on both sides. You want a chaw? <laughs> I can't laugh or you're going to come out. <laughs> oh, okay. I have them distributed on both sides of my mouth. Okay. Three, two, one, go. It came out my nose! Out of my nose! It's on my glasses! I don't even think it touched my tongue because it just kept coming out of my nose! Did Margie win? Yes! That was the worst. How are you doing this? Keep going! Keep drinking! Oh, uh, my nose hurts. 
I think I have coke coming out of my eyes. I can't. That's not a good feeling. Why wow. did we do this? Have you ever had coke come out your nose before? Uh, huh. I've had that thing where you like burp and it goes up. All right, I'm like thing. halfway down in the label. I, I hit the label. You're, I, where's Marky I'm at? on the label. She's like at just she, below see, the label. She's sipping slowly. It's dripping. It's, <laughs> it's dripping. Cheating. Cheating. She just go, she Marky, has like go. A slow lead. Go, you got this. I have a diet. Stand up beard. straight. Stand up. You are not the hunchback of Notre Dame. I can't Upright. see you on the camera. It was challenging before, anyway. Add more coke. Don't worry. I gotta clean my glasses now. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're saying. I said don't don't spit on the microphone. Guess who spit on the microphone? You. This guy. Good. Oh. <laughs> Wait, this guy or this guy? This guy. Okay, good. It's all over your glasses. I know. <laughs> I got I got okay, tickles. Like it. There it is. Marky, why do you duck out of the camera to do the oh, best part? Now spit him like broken teeth. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. See, see how far you can get him. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I did not. Marky. Like, I lost Wait, immediately. Who's, yeah, you did. I was surprised. Who lost it first? Me. Yeah. Okay. They was it me next? Or? You were next, and then I got more tickled at you. I think I could have held <laughs> it, but I got like, laughing. I was trying to keep my mouth shut and went straight to the back of my throat, and then it was I had the it's Mentos like, in boom. the front of my mouth, Good and as job. soon as the soda touched it, it just immediately projectiled. Like nothing <laughs> went in except through my Gracious. nose. Gracious. Look at you go. <laughs> well, I bet you all didn't expect that. It's no, true. No. I, I did won. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I won. <laughs> I'd like to say thank you to all of my fans, everyone who has believed in me. Even though they didn't, the ones that believed in me, thank you. You're the real MVPs, guys. Yeah. Good job, Mark. The things Thanks. we do for our viewers. <laughs> we love you. My we, nose we feels really weird. <laughs> you got a nose enema. I do. Like it, <laughs> Deb, you do not need to come suck boogers out of my nose. The Diet Coke did it for you. <laughs> Gross. We love yeah. you. Hope you Stop. enjoyed us getting silly. Yeah. Good job, Marky. My teeth feel weird. <laughs> They, they feel like cement. Now <laughs> it we, does feel funny. <laughs> now we're going to head out and clean up before mosquitoes eat us. Yes. Amen. Love you. <laughs> Love you. What's up, guys? Welcome. So Marky is the winner. Yes. Did you expect that? Honestly, no. <laughs> no I didn't offense, expect that. but uh, she did I, great. Yeah, no, I honestly I had more confidence in you than I had in myself or anyone else, just because I figured you like you had the science behind it because you started p putting in your cheeks like yeah. a chipmunk, and so when I saw you doing that, I tried. My mouth wasn't big enough though <laughs> to get it all. Uh, well, she did. Cheeks. She didn't. When I, I put all the Mentos in one side, and mm -hmm. I tried to pour all the Coke, like fill up on the other side, so I could have as little reaction as possible. And she, that's what she did. That's how she won. But here's the yeah, <laughs> Nicole said we got back inside and changed super fast. Uh, but here's the thing: when you when you lost yours. Mm. It made me laugh so hard, <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> hold it. <laughs> I was doing good. It wasn't having a, a big explosion, but I, 
I lost because I laughed. <laughs> well, you had a real good spit take right there. Uh, that was, like, was good. That was, I that was appreciated the, the instant replay on the, that. The slow-mo. <laughs> Marky did good. And then I liked how it looked like she was spitting teeth, like she had just been in a <laughs> barroom brawl. Because, you know, Marky, she's tough. That's true. At least in this challenge, she was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hey, guys, welcome to Q&A, questions and answers. This is our opportunity that, that we want to answer your questions. Uh, so whatever questions you have about God, about the Bible, about life, whatever, if, if there's a biblical answer for it, we want to bring it up. We want, we want to answer yeah. your questions. So um, we have a good question today from one of our viewers, but we also want to give you an opportunity to yeah. send us your questions. You can send, go to whatsright.com. Right? What's right? What's right.com. And, uh, and send us your questions. Or you can send us a message right here yeah. on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, just, make, just send us a message. We want to answer your questions. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of days ago, we posted on our ministry website this statement, if they have that graphic. And uh, when, they, when we posted this, we had a question that came in. And the, the, it said, when you're standing on God, you won't be shaken. And so then we had a question come in from John McMorrow, and uh, he asked, how can we stand on God, which is a great question. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we wanted to talk about that today. Hope you're watching, John. And uh, one of the things that we do, let's go to Psalm 62.2. You know, our standard always needs to be the Word of God. It yeah. always needs to be the Bible. That's what will give us that firm foundation. Even the word standard, this is, you know, it's a foundation, yeah. and that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about literally standing on top of Jesus or standing mm -hmm. on top of God. It's talking about standing on the principles and the righteousness of God. But let's look at a couple of scriptures uh, to show how to stand and what happens when we stand on God. So when we look at Psalm 62 and verse 2, it says that he, talking about God, he only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. So one of the things that we see is we're supposed to have one foundation in our life, yeah. one thing that we stand on, and that is God. God yeah. only yeah. is our foundation. And if we will stand on the rock, the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus and his ways, mm -hmm. then it says we will not be greatly shaken, will yeah. not be greatly shaken. In other words, we'll, you know, the earth, the earth may tremble and shake, not just from an earthquake, but from spiritual warfare, from different things, but we will stand strong. And yeah. we've been experiencing that this year in 2020, even in the ministry. I, we're, our church and ministry is growing yeah. in the midst of one of the greatest shaken, shaken, uh, shakings, Sh shakenings. I don't, a shakening. Uh, I'm thinking awakening. Uh, Shakings. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm I've never, never hit hit that shakings. question before. Shaken. Shaken or Sh shakenings? Shaking. You put your shaking. Shakings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, whether it's shaking or shakenings. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a weird, I think you're getting the awakening. Film. I know. I know. And anyway. Uh, even in one of the greatest shakings that this earth has ever seen, yeah. uh, we're growing. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're standing on God. Mm -hmm. We're standing on the firm foundation yeah. of Christ. And if you go on down to verse 6 through 8, it says, He only 
is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. Verse 7, on God, my salvation, or the saving of whatever I need saving from, and my glory rest. That's the goodness of God. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. So it, he's our foundation. When we stand on the principles of God, on the standard of God and the foundation of God, he is not only, he saves us, he gives us his goodness and his glory. He's our, the rock of strength. He strengthens us and he's a refuge. He's a place where uh, we can find shelter from any storm of life. Verse 8, trust in him uh, at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So when we stand on God, we are truly choosing uh, to trust in him. Yeah. Not just trust in him, mm-hmm. but also trust in uh, who he is, is also defined by his ways. Yeah. And it, the Bible says, my way is holy. My ways are holy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when we follow what the Bible says and we live life that way, we're standing on, on him in that yeah. way. Yeah. Honestly, it reminds me of, um, of when Jesus said, you know, uh, if you... If you listen to my word and obey yes. my commandments, you're like a man who builds his house on a rock. Yes. You know, on that foundation. The winds will come, the waves will hit, beat against it, but yes. it, it won't crash. Yeah. So, so, you know, one of the ways that we can stand on God is to stand on his word. If we you know, continue if we, in his ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, we were talking about this earlier before the broadcast, yeah. and one of the things that I've found is many times, and please hear this, please hear this for what it is. Yeah. Many times... Many times, people will take up a stance close to God's Word, Mm -hmm. but it's really a worldly logic or man's ways that they have taught was God, but it's not actually God. Mm -hmm. And so they're near the Word, Mm -hmm. but they're not on the Word, and that's a very dangerous place to be because they they start to think that, oh, this is what God would do. You know, and I've seen, you know, how many times have we seen it throughout history where men have said, in the name of this God or that God or even in the name of Jesus and gone and killed people and it was not God. You know, it was the wrong heart, the wrong spirit. We've watched people and they thought they were near. That's not the person who's going to stand strong. The person who's going to stand strong is the one who goes after the Lord and he says, look, Lord, I'm going to do things your way. And when they, so just because it's near God doesn't mean it is God. And you have to really watch the atmosphere. And even uh, I've watched preachers declare this is God and it wasn't God at all it actually was man's way and they took where man and the corrupted world had molded molded them into a form of godliness but denying the power of it because it wasn't actually God and that's not a good place to be so when we when we actually choose God let's see what it says here in Isaiah all right. In Isaiah, it says this, Isaiah 26, 4, it says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God we have an everlasting rock. In yeah. other words, He will be our firm yeah. foundation forever. Yeah. He's always there for us to stand on. All we have to do is just trust Him. Yeah, I, I like the illustration that God is a rock, an everlasting yes. rock. Because like, I can take a rock and I can go and set, and set it, you know, uh, behind my house, yes. you know, 
And when I come back like 20, 30 years later, the rock's not going to change. It's going to look exactly yes. the same as when I set it down. If I set a leaf or if I set, you know, a sandwich there, give it 20, 30 years, I come back, it's not going to... It's, it'll be gone. Yes. You know? But a rock stays the same. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's, he, right here it says he's an everlasting rock. He doesn't change. He doesn't move like shifting shadows. That's right. That's yeah. right. And even in an earthly rock, like mm -hmm. you can have water that will cut through an yeah, earthly sure. rock. Mm -hmm. But this is the promise yeah. that he makes right here in Isaiah is, yeah. even though an earthly rock, like, you know, in 20 years it's generally not going to change that much. But in yeah. a few thousand years it can. Yeah. God won't even change in a few thousand years. He is. Mm -hmm an everlasting rock. And so that means I can stand on him and forever yeah. I will be standing with a firm foundation. Isaiah 54, 14 uh, says this, in righteousness you will be established or in righteousness it'll be a firm foundation for you. It will uphold you. And although the world may shake, you won't. Watch what it says. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression for you will not fear and from terror if for it will not come near you. That's if we stand on the right ways of God putting him as the rock of our life. Yeah. And then one last scripture is Exodus 33. Exodus 33, 18. And for those of you who are just now joining, we're answering the question right now in our Q&A, how can we stand on God? And if you'll look in the comments, we have some, some, uh, some of the scriptures that we use so far. Yes. But again, we, we want to answer your questions. But right now we're answering how can we stand on God? Exodus 33:18 uh, says this and says then Moses said I pray you show me your glory mm -hmm. all right and then he goes on and he says I'll show you my glory and it says his goodness passed before Moses so his glory yeah. equates to all of the goodness of God and watch this how can you experience the goodness of God how can you experience a life far from fear far yeah. from terror how can you experience a life uh, that's shaken uh, where the world might shake but you are on the firm foundation Here's what we do. We find ourselves in God and in His ways. We make sure that we take steps of righteousness. We take steps of God's ways. This is how we stand on God, stand on the rock. And he says, verse 19, he, he said, Lord, show me your glory. Verse 19 says, I, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. This basically says to us that, listen, God was so big, so powerful, so pure, mm. so holy yeah. that we needed a hiding place. We needed to be grafted in. And he said, there's a place by me. And this is basically, we all know the type in the shadow, if you've studied the word, that place 
was Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the rock. And he says, if you'll go into Jesus, if you will accept Jesus as your Savior, you will stand on the rock and you'll be able to experience all of my goodness, all of my salvation. That's how we stand on the rock. We do it through Jesus and he empowers us to live righteously and do those right things. And that's what standing on the rock and standing on God means. Lord, I'm going to do this your way. Not man's idea of it, not my idea of it, not the world's idea of it. Lord, let me go into the word and find your idea and I'm going to do everything. And it's exactly what you said earlier. You know, when we continue in his word and in his ways, then we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free and we won't be wiped out by the storm. We'll be secure on the rock. On the everlasting rock. So that's the answer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for uh, Q&A today. Uh, again, we want to answer your questions. Feel free to send us your questions, whatever questions you have about God, the Bible, life, whatever. If there's a biblical answer for it, we want to give it to you. So please make sure you send us your questions, and, and we might answer your question next time on Q&A. Amen. Amen. All right, well, now we're moving into our next segment. It is What's Unfortunate. Dun, dun, this dun. is a fun segment. <laughs> we always love doing this. So we're going to transition and go over there right now. We love you guys. Hey, guys, welcome to What's Unfortunate. What's Unfortunate? Boom. <laughs> I had to add something to it. It's true. I figured I'd embrace the jingle at this point. Yay! Nice. I'll Yay. embrace it. We'll, we'll all... Welcome to What's Unfortunate. What's Unfortunate. Boom. Marky <laughs> that was That was so upbeat. That's okay. You did your best. This is a good day. Welcome to What's Unfortunate. We have some really unfortunate stuff on our What's Unfortunate wheel yeah, right do. now. And in my hands I have a piece of paper that has each of our names on it. What's so funny? Nothing. Okay. Well, on the you've got to laugh to get through what's unfortunate oh, to yeah. survive it. Yeah, you you need to have joy. Laugh through the pain. <laughs> joy in the the storm. I don't know. Um, anyway, oh, I'll praise you in the storm. Whatever. Anyway, we have some good stuff on here. We have a consequence where you'll have to shove a sharpie up your nose and try to write your own signature. We have one where you can do an interpretive dance of anything that I want you to do an interpretive dance on. Awesome. We have a, a bunch of other good things on there. So I figured this time, instead of drawing the names first, we'll spin the wheel first. Okay. See what the unfortunate thing that we'll have to do is. Yes. And then we'll draw names. Okay. Okay? Okay. okay. All right, okay. let's spin the wheel. I really like your sound effects. I appreciate it. Sharpie signature! Yay! This is gonna be. Buddy better get this one. Comment now if you want Buddy to get it. Buddy, 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 buddy. I've personally shoved more things up my nose in this broadcast than I need to, and I only did it once. Do you guys remember when he shoved the Cheetos? The Flaming Hot Cheetos. Was that our first What's Unfortunate? That was our first What's Unfortunate. That's true. I really do not want to shove. Cheetos up my nose. All right, pick a name real quick. No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, you can see through I it. I did. I saw through uh, it. I, I saw right. through Close it. your eyes or okay. look away and, and now grab one. Grab one. All right. 
What, I don't what did like you do? I picked mine. What, which one? I picked you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. This is a good day. This is such a good day. You don't realize how unfortunate this is. But oh Mark, my you, can you grab that? Can you grab that sharpie? How on earth? Oh, <laughs> oh my right. gosh! We, while Baird's oh. grabbing the mark, the marky, the, the marker, <laughs> and the piece of paper, how, how do you feel right now? I feel like I've been attacked. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So what do I do? I put this up my nose and then and write. And then you have to uh, write your signature. That's gross. Write your name. No Is one wants though? to see that. What's worse, putting a Sharpie up your nose or putting Flaming Hot Cheetos <laughs> up your nose? Uh, probably Flaming Hot Cheetos. Exactly. So, all right. Okay. I, I want you guys to put in the comments whether you think this is going to be legible or not. Can I please request that you shove it in capped and then you have to uncap it while it's in your nose? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how that's possible. I, I want to see. What? I want you to put it in capped and then like see if you this? can uncap it while it's in your nose. Like but how? Like I, pulling it? Like, oh no. I mean, we don't have like muscles in our nose where we can like <laughs> clinch it. Oh no, I believe in her. Okay. I believe she has abilities. Well, I mean, you can hold on to it and Uncapping. Can I just hold on to it and pull it off? That's the best. Sure. That's the only way I can think of doing it. it um, you got oh this. Oh my god, <laughs> this is gross. Okay. We have faith in you. We, I, okay. I cleaned that that sharpie before Barrett Thanks. touched it with her hands. Thanks. So, Thanks so, so much. I'm just trying to be Thanks, generous. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. It's so nice of you. I'm just stalling. I guess. yeah, I know. I okay. Just just just, just do it. <laughs> Tickles. Just do it. I'm so excited. Everyone put it in the comments. Just do it. <laughs> put it put a Nike check in there. Just do it. <laughs> just do, just go for it. Cap it. They've got to see it. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thoroughly agreeing with you. Alright, uncap it. Uncap it. It's barely in there. It's not really in there. Alright, just, just, just stick it up in there. Well done. Well done. All right, all right. You did the first little part. All right. Now, now just start. Put put a nice put a nice end. Oh, get out. Just just breathe in real heavily. Just. Real quick. Oh my god. You, you can hold it with your nose if, with your. This is so weird. It may be easier for you to put it on the table. What it, is it? No, gravity. <laughs> gravity. Here, turn around so that they can see. You're can you guys see it? Can you see it? Uh, turn back a little bit. That's good. Lisa, yep. Can you guys see it? Yep. Okay. Do the M. I'm thoroughly enjoying this right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm kind of doing it. I didn't know that your nostril Just was that big. <laughs> well, we had like that j the jumbo sharpie in the back. And I was great. thinking about doing that, but I don't think any of us have nostrils that big. Now I want to see. Just make sure it doesn't fall out and like get on your clothes. <laughs> your whole name? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. That's actually pretty impressive. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Would you look at it? Look That's, at that. It's okay. Is that <laughs> legible? 
What's what's um, is there an N in there? <laughs> Manky. It looks like Marnky. Manky. Marnky. <laughs> like look at that. It looks like there's a little I N in the middle of it. I don't. There's the R. There's the K. Monkey. I don't know what that is. That's Monkey. an extra letter. I'm gonna put it right here so you can zoom in. Marnky. Marnky. It looks like it says Marnky. Yep. Don't know what that was. Marn Marnky. Like look, <laughs> look. That looks like a, an N right there in the middle of it. But Monkey. I'd say you did pretty well. Thanks. It's true. I'm, I'm glad you guys saw that. Um, there were a lot of emotions going on. <laughs> I can tell. I had some tears, and uh, I'm glad to have shared this moment with you guys. This is my Thank favorite. You. I'm glad thing. to have shared this moment. I'm glad that this is in the back of my church notes, uh, notebook, <laughs> and it's going to stay here forever. forever. So whenever I get to this page, I'm just going to be so full of joy. Aww. Amen. You're just going to start laughing like sure in the middle of church service, flip over. <laughs> you just wait. I'm going to, because Marky typically sits on this side, so I'm just going to flash this to her throughout the service. It'll be great. All right. Look at me. That, that, that's better than I thought it would be. I Thanks. will say that. All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for What's Unfortunate. That was fun. Yes. Uh, now we're moving on to our next segment. Make sure you join us next time for What's Unfortunate because you never know what, what's going to happen for this segment. You really I, have no idea. I, we don't either. Uh, uh, what's I, Unfortunate? Bum, 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 what's Unfortunate? Bum. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. We're moving on to our next segment. We'll see you real soon. It was Thursday. It's it could be any day, but really we are on confession number five. So join your voice with mine. Let's bring our faith, hope, and love together and speak out the will of God. Confession number five. Say this with me. We walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. We win souls. We love righteousness, hate sin walk in holiness, and are anointed by God. This is the confession that Pastor Brian has been talking about this week with we hate sin and we, love, we walk in holiness. This is a great one to say each and every single day. And for those of you who are watching, who are part of the body of Christ, you're a soul winner. This verse, or the, there are multiple verses that this is pulled from, but this confession is who you are. You're a soul winner. You walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love, and you're anointed by God. Amen. We're so excited to have you on with us. If you haven't done it already, go ahead and share the broadcast right now because we are about to hop into What's the Word with part 65 of The Man Who Would Be King. It's going to be a great one. Stick around. We're going to be back in just a second, just to get enough time to give you time to share the broadcast. So do it right now, and we'll see you in a second. What a cool graphic. What a cool graphic. That was awesome. I like that a lot. 
Welcome to What's the Word? We just praise God for you. And uh, I'll just tell you, we just had our 100th comment. And the winner today of the gift card is Miss Chris Crabtree. Glory to God. Good job, Miss Chris. We love you. And uh, just contact us. We'll get that uh, card to you. And we praise God uh, for you. We love you so very much. We're talking about the man who would be king, and we are going to jump in today. One of the things that we've talked about, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Grab your Bible, uh, look it up, get there, put your eyes on the Word. It's important to do that. Uh, but we're talking about one of the things that I really love about the Bible is it doesn't just show all the good stuff. It shows the humanity of people and where they messed up too. And by looking at those, not only can we be encouraged, because I don't know about you, but I've messed up before, is I am encouraged. If if they messed up and then God was merciful and can bring them through, I can put faith on God to help bring me through as well. And he'll do it. And he has done it. And he'll bring you through as well. Now, I don't want to mess up. And by studying these, I can say, if I study these and I learn from their mistakes, then I can walk without making some of these same mistakes as well. And that's what we're going to look at today. In the man who would be king or the person who would be a leader, a president of a country, or the president of a company, a CEO, or a minister, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, or just a servant leader? How about a Sunday school leader? How about a mom, a dad? How about just a believer in God that is called to make disciples? All of us are called on some level to be a leader, but we're not going to be that leader unless we actually study what the Word says and set this as the standard, the foundation, like what we talked about that we stand upon in our Q&A. We talked about that. If we don't learn what the standard is, then we won't have that foundation to stand on, and we won't be saved from everything that we could be saved from. We won't be uh, have a lack of fear in our lives and a lack of terror. We won't have a refuge, and we won't have a rock if we don't study the rock and know what to stand. So that's what we're doing today. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we've been talking about the last couple of days, this is one of David's, if not the greatest mistake that he makes in his life. And, and it's recorded and in quite a bit of detail. And the next two chapters are about this mistake and what it leads to, chapter 11 and chapter 12. And we want to try and get through those today and just take a look at how could we learn. If you didn't listen to the last two days of What's the Word here on Lunch Plus, uh, definitely go back and do that. And if you haven't shared the broadcast yet, share the broadcast. And just so you know, before we jump into this, they're going to put up a graphic today at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Central. I'm going to be live on the Victory Network, which is going to, uh, Brother Copeland's uh, channel is going to be on DirecTV and Dish Network. There's the graphic for you. I'm looking forward to it. I woke up this morning, the Lord gave me a word to talk about. And so that'll be today at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And if it's on Facebook, we'll be sharing it there as, as well. But you can go uh, to their network and check it out. So let's look here. Verse 1, uh, 2 Samuel 11, 1. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. So here's the mistake number one. We don't see that David actually inquired of the Lord this time, which he had done so many times before. Sometimes, this is, this is very interesting. I have found myself 
that one of the most challenging times to walk in faith is when things are going well. See, when things are going bad, there's no other solution but God. But when things are going well, sometimes we've not turned and looked at God like we should, and that means we're not standing on Him. We're standing on our resources that we have in the physical. Here, things are going well for David, and so maybe that's what caused him to not inquire of God this time. He was just moving through life without an, a, a constant relationship with God, and this turns out to be a grave mistake for him. And he, and he says here, he, while other kings were fighting, this was the time for him to be in his place, but instead he probably was thinking something along the lines of, well, I deserve to stay home. I've been fighting for a long time. And uh, many times, you know, think about this. How easy is it for somebody to be in faith when they have zero money? You know, uh, Nicole and I were talking last night with a couple. We remember when ramen noodles was like the standard for our food. And we remember, we were talking about, you know, like hamburger helper. Man, that was a luxury. At one point, that was a luxury in our life. When we had hamburger helper, we were like, glory to God. God is good. Amen. You know, it was, it was a luxury, uh, in our lives when we actually had like meat to put in our food. And uh, that's, I'm not exaggerating that. That's the way that it was. Somebody, uh, and at that point, what did we have to rely on? You know, we didn't have a job that was paying real well. We didn't, it was, there was only one direction. If we're going to come out of this, there's only one direction. That's God. We need your help. We need your help. You know, but in, in many cases, once you start to get the help of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord starts piling on, which is what God wants to do, and then all of a sudden you got money in the bank. And you say, well, hey, we got money in the bank. Let's just go eat this. And what happens is many times we'll stop inquiring of God. We'll, we'll say, well, we've got it. We'll just spend it. And we didn't even ask the Lord if he had an opinion on it anymore. When we didn't have anything, we had to ask the Lord everything. And many times that's such a precious time because, because out of necessity, we're having fellowship with God all the time. And then we get to the place where we're blessed and we don't feel the necessity and actually our fellowship can separate some if we're not mindful of it and if we're not intentional to keep that fellowship very tight-knit. And this is a mistake that many people have happened. I think this is what happened somewhat to David right here. It, see, if we will keep our fellowship with him proper, then you can put this in the comments, Acts 17, 28. If we keep our fellowship proper, it says, in Christ, when we abide in him and he, and he abides in us, we live and move and have our being. We have life to the full till it overflows. We, we move. We know where to go and we're empowered to get there. And we have our being, everything that we need to come into manifestation, come into being, we have it in Christ. So the only thing we need to pay attention to is let me stay in Jesus. Let me stand on God. Let me make sure that I stay in that place. Because if I'll stay at that place, every supply I ever need is there. Every bit of wisdom, every bit of anointing, every bit of provision, every bit of protection, every bit of deliverance, every bit of restoration, it's all in Him. That's the major miracle that took place when we got born again is we were able to connect and abide in God and God abide in us. And if we will stay in that place, that's where everything we need is. But 
if our source is real and our identity is really found by numbers in the bank account or by how much I'm laughing, if that's our identity instead of our identity being in Christ, then as soon as the numbers change, our habits will change as well. As soon as, as, soon as uh, the pressure relaxes, then our habits of going after God will. But if we'll make God and, and fellowship with Him our standard, then our identity will never change and we'll always stay in the blessing. This is why we need to have fellowship. If I'm, if I'm giving people, uh, amen, Grayson says, let me stay in Jesus. If I'm actually uh, going, if I'm counseling people many, many, many times, the first thing I'm going to tell them is get in Jesus. And that means in spirit-led word, worship, and prayer, and make sure that you are planted in a fruitful church, a, a church that's seeing manifestation. If they're not seeing manifestation, they're not upholding the commandment of God, and you don't want that impartation. You want the impartation. Uh, Jesus says it so clearly in Hebrews six twelve. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit. So they got three things. They're in faith, they're in patience in that faith, and they get to the place where they inherit the promises. So if you have a place that's not inheriting the promises, you're not supposed to follow that. You're supposed to follow the ones that are inheriting. In other words, they have fruit in their lives. A buddy put up uh, uh, Hebrews 16, 12. That's not it. It's 6, 12. I think he hit the one in front of it. So uh, Priscilla got 6.12 there, Hebrews 6.12. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And so many times if we'll just stay in Christ, all of a sudden we will be in the place of blessing and overflow. But if we find our identity in the bank account, then when the bank account gets better, We'll move out of fellowship and we'll actually move away from the life source. Jesus is our life source. Put that in the comments, please. Leaders know that Jesus is the life source. All caps, the. The life source. Leaders know that Jesus is the life source. Verse 2. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. He should have immediately turned away, and he should have never thought about it again. Um, listen, I've had thoughts that have come to me, and I've meditated on them at the wrong time, and I've had to repent and change, not just in an instance like this with the opposite sex, but in many different things in life. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you are in sin, but when you dwell on that thought, that's when you enter into that and your conscience is seared. We have to deal with those thoughts and think only on things that are worthy of praise. And so then he says, uh, the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. Now he's involving other people in his sin. And that, that to me is one of the worst things. As a shepherd, I never want to do that. And the Bible actually says, look, if you cause another one to sin, it'd be greater for a millstone to be hung around your neck and, and, and drugged to the bottom of the sea. We don't want to cause other people to sin. And he said, is, and one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So now he finds out she's married. If he hadn't called it by then, he should have immediately said, hey, she's married. <laughs> you know, he should have immediately, but he didn't. 
See, all these things should have checked and thrown up a red flag in his life. He should have had some some procedures in place, a place where it would have thrown up that red flag and given him a check. Like, wait a minute, like a stop sign in a spiritual life. But he didn't. Then David sent messengers to her. She came to him. He laid with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived. So now he slept with her and now she's pregnant. So, you know, just logically speaking, her husband's out on the battlefield. How'd she get pregnant? So then David tries to cover up his sin. He's just keeping on now. And she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Verse 6, then David said to Joab, who was the commander of the army, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people and the state of war. So he's like just lying to him. He's, he's deceiving him. His purpose is, I got to get Uriah to sleep with his own wife so that this sin is not found out. So now, not only has he sinned, but now he's sinning again and he's trying to cover it up. And uh, in, instead of just repenting. Yeah. Uh, but he said, uh, sin will snowball on you. And this is exactly what happens. You try to cover up the one, then you try to cover up the other one. And now it's not going to end well. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and, and a present from the king uh, was sent out after him. So now what David's basically saying is go to your house and he's expecting that as soon as he goes into his house, he and his wife will come together and uh, it won't look like David was the one that got her pregnant. Verse 9, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house and with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. This is a man of honor. This is a man of integrity and David, in his sin, is going to cause major problems for this man. I mean, horrible things. And this is a man of integrity. This is a man that should have been celebrated. Instead, David ends up having him killed. He's sitting there and he says, watch this, verse 10. Now, when they told David, in other words, uh, David had somebody watch him. They told him, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house. David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? But your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this. By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. So he's saying, look, I'm not going to Come in here and enjoy the pleasures of life while my men and the armies and the ark of God can't enjoy them. Now watch this. This is the kind of heart that David had in his earlier years. And now this man is doing the very thing that God would want him to do. But he doesn't realize that David's sin is going to blockade him from his future. Then David said to Uriah, stay here today also and tomorrow I will let you go. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David called him and he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk in the evening. And he went out to lie on his bed 
with his Lord, uh, with his Lord's servants, but he did not go down to his house. So here, David's like, well, if I'll get him drunk, then he'll go home to his wife. He gets him drunk, and then he still doesn't go there. He still, even in his drunkenness, he has enough integrity and character to not go down there and uphold his word. Verse 14, now in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah, which is even worse. God, he's sending a death sentence by his own hand. Because Uriah is going to take this letter and hand it to the commander of the armies, not knowing that in the letter he's going to tell the commander, kill Uriah. He had written in the letter saying, place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and then withdraw from him or pull back the troops so that he may be struck down and die. So it was as Joab kept watch on the city that he put Uriah at the place where he knew there were valiant men. The men of the city went out and fought against Joab, and some of the people among David's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and reported to David all the events of the war. He charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling all the events of the war to the king, and if it happens that the king's wrath rises, and he says to you, Why did you go so near the city to fight? Did you uh, not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? And why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So what he's saying is they're, they're trying to work this so that Uriah dies. But I want you to see this. But other men died because of this too. It wasn't just Uriah. There were other men that died. And this is all because of David's sin and him trying to cover it up instead of repenting at this moment. Now, David's going to get a repentance that comes, but man, he misses it right here so many times. Watch this. Verse 22. So the messenger departed and came and reported to David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, the men prevailed against us and came out against us in a field, but we pressed them as far as the entrance of the gate. Moreover, the archers shot your servants from the wall so that some of your king's servants are dead and your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. Then David said to the messenger, thus you shall say to Joab, don't let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as the other. Make your battle against the city stronger and overthrow it, and so encourage him, Joab. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now chapter 12. Now, I want you to see something. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. You know, that's the thing about sin. And this is why quick repentance is so important. You know, had David, don't you know that David probably, I would, I would say, knowing the life of David, I would say with pretty much confidence that David was actually had a check in his spirit when he was looking at her from the roof. I would say that he had a check when he was meditating on her. 
just why? Because I know how God helps. I know how God will show these things. He probably had a check the whole time, but he kept ignoring that check and he kept moving forward into that sin. And one sin led to the next sin, led to the next sin. And the sins just continued to get greater and greater and greater. And that's why it's so important. As soon as you recognize sin, deal with it. I hate sin. I love righteousness and I'm anointed. See that one little sin. I, years ago, years ago, I had this situation where I, I saw a man of God fall, had a big, ugly, nasty fall in spiritual things and was discredited not only in the church, but even in the world. Uh, they were on a public, a very uh, national and worldly platform and I saw him fall, and I really got mad. I, I was like, "Lord, why does this keep happening? Why does this? Why does this keep happening?" And this hurts the church. It hurts. It hurts everything. It hurts this. It hurts your body. It hurts the growth of the kingdom. Lord, how do we stop this? Why? Why do all these men keep falling? And and it's so public. And you know, the devil's not going to try and keep it in a corner. He's going to make a fall of a godly man public. And and I also said, you know, I was mad at the man, and I was sitting there kind of judging the man harshly in my heart. And it's not. I should definitely look at that. I should definitely look at him and learn my lessons. I should look at David and learn my lessons. But I'll tell you, I really was holding it against these men of God strongly. And I was judging them. And in Romans, it says this, that the thing that you judge against other people, you're, you're passing a judgment. I need to be able to say, and this is 100% biblical and, and correct. I need to be able to say this is right and this is wrong. But it's not my job to pass judgment on the one who's wrong. That's God's job. My job is not to put a punishment or a condemnation on that person. I need to keep my mouth off of that person. My job is not to do that. When I pass a judgment, and watch this, even if I just hold a judgment in my head and my heart against that person, I'm passing a sentence against them. This is not my job. And this, this story really helped me because when, I, when that man fell, I was mad at the man. I was mad at the man of God. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, you are one decision away from being that man. And I went, whoa, 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 hold up, what? He said, you are one decision away from being that man. Uh, Before I tell you the rest of that story, let's just go over to Romans. And it's right at, I believe it's the beginning of chapter 2, or maybe the end of chapter 1. Oh, yeah, chapter 2 and verse 1. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Therefore you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment or a sentence against them, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. And we know that the judgment of God falls rightly upon those who practice such things. 
And he says this in verse 3, but, but do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, this sin, any these sins, when you, uh, when you pass judgment on them and you do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of kindness and toler- of his kindness, his tolerance, his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? He says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. What this means is this. It says, look, when you start to pass a sentence on somebody and you're holding them, uh, you're passing a sentence. In other words, I'm, I'm not talking to them anymore. I'm not thinking about them the same. I'm passing a sentence on and That word right there says, when I start to judge and pass a sentence on other people, I become guilty of the thing myself. And he says, if you, if you think that uh, they're not going to escape judgment, you're also not going to escape judgment on that. He said, my wrath will come on your guiltiness for holding them uh, in, in a sentence and holding them and not forgiving them. And so the Lord said this to me. He said, I was mad at that man and I was passing judgment and a sentence in my own heart and mind. You know, I'd probably never see him, never meet him, you know, never tell them how bad they were, anything like that. But in my heart, I was done with them and I was passing a sentence like I was the judge who sits on the, on the chair, on the throne. And I was passing a sentence in my own heart and mind. He said, do you not know that you are one decision from being the exact same man? And I thought, God, how can that be? How can I be that man? He said, that man, you know, if you can kind of see he was going this direction. He said, now that's where he was going in godliness, but now he just fell in complete ungodliness. How can I be one decision? Because at that point in my life, I was really living as godly as I knew how to be. And God just told me I'm one decision from being the man who completely does a 180 and goes the other direction. I said, how can I be that man? He said, you can be that man. He said, because this, he said, one small sin left unchecked. A decision to not repent of sin, not change from that sin, will get you off a little degree. And that little degree will help you make the next one. And that one will help you make the next one and the next one. And before you know it, you're making one of the worst decisions of your life thinking that it's okay. But it all starts with one sin, small, small, one sin left unrepented for. In other words, you're, if you're not quick to repent, you would be that man. And, and then we know the scripture that says, uh, it's the small foxes that ruin the vine. It's not the big decision. See, I would, at that point in my life, I would have never made that big decision to make that. No, but if I would have left one sin unchecked and that one helped, it makes it easier to make the next one. It doesn't seem so far away. So think about this. If I made three or four bad decisions over here, that seems like a big decision. I would never do that. But if I was already right here and the next one was just a little degree away, it's that much easier to carry on in it. And so what we need to do is be quick. We need to be quick to repent even on the smallest thing. Deal with the small things in our life. A leader will, put this in the comments, a leader will deal with the small sins quickly. 
A leader will deal with the small problems in their life quickly. A leader will deal with things that some people would say were insignificant. A leader will deal with problems that many would say is insignificant. But we must take that action. We must be decisive in that action. Now, here comes this portion. All of a sudden, here in chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to David. Now, here's a whole bunch of sins David didn't deal with. And I want you to see. Now, watch this. We've watched David beat. This is so important. Oh, my goodness. So important. We've watched David be this great man of God. This great man of God. Watch this. Then David sent Nathan, then, excuse me, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew, and it grew up together with him and with his children It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie uh, in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer for the traveler who had come to him. Rather, the rich man took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. He prepared it for the traveler. Verse 5, then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did not, he did this thing and had no compassion. Now watch this. David, who has been such a great man of God because he didn't check his sin, and he went and he made it all the way over here where he's, where he's got this great sin now. He couldn't even see his sin. He was so deceived, he couldn't even see it in front of his face. The next verse, Nathan said to David, you are that man. You're that man. See, sin will take you further than you want to go. And it will blind you along the way. One of the things that I've I've found is that the Lord has given me mercy for people who are deceived. And my job is not to correct every decision in their life. My job is to remove the veil of deception so that they can see that. So I'll pray. Many times when I'm praying for people, I'm praying the Ephesians 1 prayer. Lord, I pray that their eyes of understanding may be enlightened. Or in other words, in today's terms, Lord, I pray that they can clearly see what is your will and what isn't your will. And then I pray and Lord, give them strength to turn back to you. Lord, strengthen them with all your might. And this is one of the greatest prayers. And I'll pray that for myself. Lord, I just ask that you will open my eyes of understanding, open the eyes of my heart, enlighten my heart so that I can clearly see what is you and what isn't you. And Lord, give me strength to walk with you, to choose you. See, David, sin had taken him further than he wanted to go. He went from a God. He went from a look 
at a woman that he shouldn't have been looking at to murder. He went all the way from just a passing look that he that could have easily been dealt with, easily been dealt with. But that sin took him all the way from a passing look to murder, to adultery and murder. And he involved other people in the process. He involved other people in the murder and other people died. Because of one sin not dealt with and a small one. It's the small foxes that ruin the vine. But he's deceived. You see, if, if I can now at this point, he can't even see it. The Nathan, the prophet Nathan, he, he basically lays it all out there. But David can't even see it. But watch this. Watch what happened. What does David do about the story of the man? He judges the man in the story and he condemns him. He sentences him, and he's even the king. But what spiritual principle do we watch happen? What he judged another man on is actually the judgment that will come on him. He becomes guilty of his own words, of his own words. This is why I'll tell you, the Lord has helped me have mercy on people because I wasn't very merciful before. When the Lord told me, you're one decision away from being that man, I was not very merciful before that. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you, I have, I have chosen on purpose, in intention, I have chosen to be merciful because I watched this story. I watched Romans 2, uh, verse 1 through 5, and I said, Lord, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be unmerciful because if I find myself in that position where I have missed it and I didn't repent and now I'm deceived, what I want more than anything else in my life, I want mercy. And the Bible says the thing that you want is what you need to pass to somebody else. I said, Lord, make me merciful. That doesn't mean I'm giving a pass to the sin. That doesn't mean that I'm not seeing it wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm saying this is right and this is wrong and I'm not saying that. What it means is if I find somebody in that place and they've missed it, I'm going to be merciful and I'm going to pray for the mercy of God on them because I want mercy too. And here's the thing. If God wouldn't have had mercy on us, we'd all be going to hell. That was what we deserved. God was so merciful. His love on us was so merciful. And I want to put on God. It doesn't mean that I, I can look at what David did and say, oh yeah, he was right. You know, don't, don't worry about him. He doesn't, he doesn't need to change anything. No. That's not it at all. No, what he did was wrong. It was devilish. It was ungodly. But I'm not passing judgment on him. Lord, I pray for his mercy. And he received some mercy along the way as well. And even after all of this, he ends up, and watch this, look at the mercy of God. After all of this, he ends up being in the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament. In, the, in there as in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. And then you see over in Acts, where he's at 1322, I believe it is, where he says, I found David, a man after my own heart, who would do all of his will. How can David be an adulterer and a murderer and be listed in Acts as a man who will do all of my will? Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the mercy of God that he's poured out on us. God said, look, I see all your sin and I trumpet with my love and the righteousness of God and I will do my part to wipe it away. All you have to do is you have to turn to me and say, Lord, I ask your forgiveness. I repent. I will not be that person. I won't be that man anymore. I just have to repent. 
And God will pour out that mercy on you. He'll pour out that mercy on you. He'll pour it out. But this judgment that David had, he sees it. Before he repents, before he repents, this judgment had a harvest attached to it. Let's read about it quickly because we have to understand, you know, there are repercussions to our actions. God's merciful, but there are harvests. See, if, if there is a harvest and I want, to, I want to not have the harvest of the bad things I've done, and I do want to have the harvest of the good things that Christ has done, but we, ha- we can't just say, well, you know, I'll do this and God will forgive me. No, the, the Bible says God forbid that we think that way. So watch what happens. He says this, verse 7, Nathan then said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house, and I gave your master's wives into your care, and I gave you uh, the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Watch this, verse 9, God says to David, Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? See, this is, why have you dishonored? Why have you had a lack of esteem? Why have you despised me and my word? And how did he despise them? He didn't repent quickly in the beginning, and it led to more and more and more. You see, that sin, when he just kept looking at Bathsheba and thinking about her, that that was evil as well. He didn't have to go all the way to adultery and murder. Just that sin left unchecked is a despising of the things of God. This is why you know, I'll tell people, it's like, look, the things a lot of times that the Lord corrects me on, you would think it was laughable and insignificant. But if it's just an, an nth of a degree off of the holiness of God, I want to make sure that I correct it and I correct it quickly. He said, You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. So watch this. So now he's, he's prophesying to David, say for the rest of your time, watch this. He's going to end up being the guy from God's mercy in Acts 13 that the Lord says, He'll do all my will. I found a man after my heart who will do all my will. He's going to end up receiving forgiveness and mercy and he will be known as the great king. He'll be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But there is a fruit for the rest of his life. There's going to be a sword against him. And that's the fruit of this, of, of this sin. There's a harvest of it. And he still receives mercy, but there's a harvest of this. And we're going to see it as the chapters go on. He says, and and I want to remind you, even before we read this verse, that remember, there are in English uh, different uh, presentations of verbs. One means that God did it, and one means that he allowed it. I would say surely about this verse, this is the one uh, that means he allows it. And you'll see why I'm saying that. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household, and I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. 
Indeed, what you did secretly, I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now see, there's the repentance. As soon, now watch, he, that one sin caused him to go further than he wanted to. And so that one sin led to another, led to another, led to another. And when he got over here past adultery and murder, he was completely deceived. He couldn't even see it. But when the word of the Lord came under the anointing from the prophet Nathan, watch what happens. David's facing the other way, but there's a veil of deception. That anointed word of the Lord broke the yoke and removed the veil, and now David could see his sin. I had an experience one time where I watched that happen in front of my eyes. Somebody had messed up and somebody had sinned. And I watched it the moment that the anointing removed the veil and they saw their sin for the first time in that present condition. And they, their whole face turned and they just started to weep and bawl. What do you do in that moment when you find out I've not been who I needed to be? You do exactly what David did. You hit your knees, you hit your face, and you, and you say, Lord, I've sinned. You repent in front, of, in front of him quickly. And this was the key to David's uh, victory. Even when he sinned, he would quickly, quickly repent. He said, uh, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin and you shall not die. How can he take away a sin? He took away a sin because of his repentance. So if you want to find the mercy of God, in other words, God will take away your sin. There was some fruit that still had to happen because of the seeds. There was seed in the ground spiritually, and there has to be a harvest. God's made a promise. What you sow, you also reap. God's made that promise. But he says, look, because you repented, your sin is taken away. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And hear that. Oh my goodness, what a statement. A leader understands that their actions will cause people to either give God glory or blaspheme. Please put that in the comments. A leader knows that their actions will cause people either to give God glory or to blaspheme Him. So this deed, it did not just affect David and Bathsheba and Uriah. This affected even the enemies of God to look at God differently. Oh, this is a big, big deal. And so when we even have that small little sin, we need to recognize this. And here's the thing. Why do I not sin? Because I don't want to get in trouble? No, I don't want the enemies of God to give them any reason to blaspheme. Because I love God, I don't do this. Not just because I don't want the repercussions of it, I, because I love him. I don't want any repercussions of negative to be in the kingdom of God because I love him. I will not sin. That's why we say in that statement and in that confession, I hate sin. I love righteousness and I'm anointed because I want the kingdom to be exalted. I want what Christ did to be exalted. And, and, and I think about it like this. You know, on that day that Jesus was on the cross, he carried all of that sin. And he even carried my sins uh, that, that I may uh, commit in some future time. He's already paid for that. And I think about it like this, because I love Jesus, I don't want to add any extra weight to him that day. I don't, if, if I sin tomorrow, 
I have a choice. Do I sin tomorrow or do I not sin tomorrow? Well, if I, if I don't sin tomorrow, there's no extra weight that he carried that day. But if I do sin tomorrow, that would have been a weight that he didn't have to, but he did. And I don't want to add weight to that day when he carried it. So I'm, you know, kind of thinking outside of time, like, Lord, because I love you, I don't want you to have to have carried extra weight because of me. And I don't want people to blaspheme your name and blaspheme Jesus and the kingdom and the Holy Ghost because of my actions. He says, however, because you've done this deed, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. So see, sin caused death to happen. And it caused this future of some hardship in David's life. And so the seed of sin that he planted was a major sin and it, it caused him to be that way. It says, and this is why I was saying, you know, some people would say, yeah, the Lord did this uh, to him. This would be an occasion where you see that that verse actually means he allowed this to happen. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah, Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. David, therefore, inquired of God for the child. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. Now, see, this is an act of repentance. He's, he's repenting. Then the elders of his household stood behind, beside him in order to raise him up from the ground. But he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead since he might do harm and do himself harm? In other words, they thought he may be in a depression. If we tell him this, he'd kill himself. He might do himself harm. Verse 19. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. In other words, he had made a full repentance and he stepped into the Lord. And even though his child had just... Do you know what strength this took and what trust in God it just took? But see, he's getting ready to tell you of a promise that he knows about that other people didn't know. He knows of the goodness of the Lord. He's experienced it. He's tasted it. He knows that even though he, he majorly messed up and there were repercussions, there was a, a harvest to what he did, he knows that God is still good. And it was him that messed up, not God. He knows and he trusts God. This is the same kind of trust that we see on Job. He trusts God so much so that he goes straight to the house of God and starts to worship him. Lord, you are so good. You are mighty. You are so good. Your mercy and your kindness endures forever. He starts to worship him. This is faith. This is, this is an awakening and, and a moving out of deception. This is a repentance. He goes in and he worships. Then he came to his own house and when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Watch this. 
Then David makes this statement. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. In other words, in this earth, he's not going to return to me. But he says he understands eternity and understands heaven. And he says, I'll go to him. And this is one of the greatest verses because I've literally heard preachers say that when children die, they go to hell because they didn't accept Jesus. But right here, this child didn't know Jesus, didn't accept Jesus. But David says, I'll go to him. Notice also that if David goes to him, this child is not an enemy of God. And that's why you know that God uh, God didn't just take the child. God received the child into heaven, but it's the destroyer, the, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy that sin had planted, and God had to allow it because of the seeds that David had sown. There was a harvest to it, and he allowed that child to be taken in that way. But watch what David says. He says, by faith, he said, I'll go to him. I'll be with him. In other words, what he's saying is, I'll be with this child in heaven. Amen. Glory to God. This is faith. This is repentance talking. This is trust in the Lord. Then, as David repented, remember, he said, the prophet said, your sin has been removed from you. Your sin's been removed. There'll be repercussions, but your sin has been removed. Verse 24, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. And he went into her and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon. Now we know this is going to be the next king, the wisest man of all time, King Solomon, the one who would build the temple to God. How can it switch from a child dying to now here's this great king with Bathsheba? Because the Lord had removed that sin because of their repentance. How important is it that we repent? For these things, that we quickly repent. This is one time uh, the Lord, you know, I've told this story before, but the Lord uh, said, uh, He said, I'm so pleased with you, Brian. And I was thinking, I've, you know, I've messed up recently. I was like, how can you be pleased with me? And His answer later on was, uh, He said, because you quickly repent. See, when we quickly repent and sin is removed, the Lord can be pleased with us. So repent means not just say I'm sorry for it. It means you change your direction and you go back towards God's ways. You head towards Him. That's And we need to be quick to do, to do that. So then, as soon as he had repented, the blessing and the anointing came back into his life. And now this son's being born. And now you even see that he and Bathsheba are now in a new covenant. And you can see where the sin is removed. God is so merciful and gracious. We don't need to play around with that and take advantage of that. But that is who he is. He is a great merciful God. And we need him to be a great merciful God. It says, now the Lord, he named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. And he sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. Now Joab fought against Reba of the sons of Ammon and captured the royal city. Joab sent messengers to David and said, I've fought against Reba. I've even captured the city of waters. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and camp against the city and capture it. Or I will capture the city myself and it will be named after me. So David gathered all the people and went to Reba, fought against it, and captured it. Then he took the crown of their king from his head, and the weight was a talent of gold, and, it, and in it was a precious stone, and, he, and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city in great amounts. He also brought out the people who were in it 
and set them under Saul's sharp iron instruments, iron axes, and made them pass through the brick kiln. And thus he did to all the cities of the son of Ammon. If you remember, Ammon was an evil, the Ammonites were an evil, evil people. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. So look at what happened. As soon as he repents, Joab is able to win the city. And even Joab, who could have taken the city in his own glory, he sends word to David and says, come on out and you take this city so it can be your glory. This is an honor. As soon as David repents, all of this honor and this blessing and this anointing is returned to David. This is a great story of restoration, although it starts out with just how messed up mankind has been and how even this great, great king missed it majorly. But as soon as he repents, the blessing of God comes back into his life. We need that kind of mercy. We need that kind of mercy in our lives. And praise God that we have it. Because although, listen, you don't have to be the kind of person that's walking in sin all the time. You don't have to be the kind of person that's constantly repenting every single day. You can make a decision to say, I hate sin. I love righteousness and I'm anointed. And you can walk free of sin day after day after day. But every single one of us have been that person that had major sin in them, that had any sin in them. And God said, I'll be merciful to you. And as soon as we just say, Lord, I just, I need your mercy and I repent. I will not travel that ungodly way again. I will only travel after you and I will go after you. And as soon as we make that decision, as soon as we make that choice and go after him, the blessing of God can flood your life. I just encourage you right now, let all of us who's watching this, let us just change our hearts right now and just repent in front of them. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I need your mercy. I've got to have your love made manifest. And right now, every sin that I've ever committed in my life, I repent of it. I change my heart. I'm sorry that I sinned and I will not sin again. I change my actions. I change my thinking and I'm going after you for the rest of my days. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are also the Savior. You save me from any issue that I need saving from. But you're also the Lord. And I make that declaration, Jesus, you are my Lord. You're the director of my life. Whatever you command me to do, I will do that. And I believe that you took my sin on you and you wiped out my sin. You took that sin to the cross and to the grave. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And when he brought you up from that grave, you did not leave me in the place of death, but you allowed me to abide in Christ and he to abide in me. And in that relationship, I have everything that I need. Jesus, I ask you, in faith, expecting it, I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I ask you to baptize me with the fire of God and let me be a person that leads the world to praise you and never to blaspheme you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
I'm not going to have a financial thing today. I think that's enough. But if you'd like to sow into the ministry, you're welcome to do that on Facebook. You can just type in hashtag donate and the amount, or anybody can go and sow into the gospel at givebc.org. But I just praise God for you. If you prayed that prayer with us today and you've never prayed that prayer, send us a message. Go to whatsright.com and say, I prayed that prayer today. Or if you prayed that prayer today and you said, I needed that forgiveness today. I needed that mercy. I needed that grace today. If that's you, go to what's right. Send us a message. Say, I needed to pray today and I wanted to let you know it. We want to celebrate with you because what you have done is pass from an ungodly state where the blessing can't happen back to godliness because of his great love and mercy. And now you're walking in that anointing from this day forward. And it's going to be awesome. We believe in you. We're standing with you. We praise God for you and we love you. And we'll see you next time. Here's Barrett uh, to wrap up Lunch Plus. Share the broadcast if you haven't done it already. We love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Barrett. Amen. We are super excited that you were with us today. It was such a good one. And tomorrow is going to be another great episode. Fridays here at Lunch Plus mean dad joke battles. Who's going to get sprayed down with water? You're going to have to find out who's the funniest of all time, at least for tomorrow. And then we're going to have another time a minute to win it. Plus, we're going to have a segment of What's Good, our weekly update of what God has been doing. And we have some awesome testimonies of how good God is in store for you. But right now, if you haven't done it yet, go back and share this broadcast. The replay will be up in just a minute. And so it's going, it's definitely worth it to share it. And... If you missed it earlier, or if you're like me and you like reminders because repetition is a good way to make sure that you don't miss something, today at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Pastor Brian will be going live on Victory Update, which is a, a show on the KCM Network, Copeland Network, Brother Copeland. He's going to be live with him. We're going to share it on Facebook. We're going to, it'll be on Dish Network. Uh, it'll be on DirecTV. You can go to the Roku channel. You can go to a whole bunch of different places. We'll also have it shared on our Facebook page here. And we also on the Facebook page have every other way that we know that you can watch it. But 5 p.m. It's going to be a great one. We're super excited about it. But tomorrow we will be back live in the studio at 11.45 a.m. We love you. Be blessed. Have a great day. And we'll see you tomorrow.